This is the Attack of the 20th Century. Thank you for joining us as we explore science fiction, fantasy, and horror films of the 20th century. I am your host, Jeff. And I'm your other host, Kim. Welcome to episode 8, where we review the 1960 horror classic, Black Sunday. Look for us on Instagram and Facebook at Attack of the 20th Century, that's 20TH. We post our next movie selections there, you can comment, give your thoughts, and they just might make it on the air. And we're really excited today because we have a guest. Yay! Hi! (laughs) Ashton is joining us. We've known Ashton for many, many, many years. Yeah. So if you don't mind, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, Ashton. Hi, um... I am a current college student. Um, I have attended film school in the past where I've made a uh, couple of films. Uh, Some I directed, some I was just uh, a producer or uh, just worked on behind the scenes on. And Mm -hmm. a few of them I've gone into film festivals. Uh, Awesome. Uh, they're not very well known, so I don't think anyone would know them. That's cool. What kind? She gives of, uh, a street cred. Yeah, you get a street cred. <laughs> so, what kind of movies are you into? Well, I pretty much like every genre of film. Um, particularly, I love action thrillers and uh, crime ones. Yeah. Whenever, um, I can see the benefits of, you know, every movie genre, and I don't think there's any particular genre that I tend to avoid. Mm -hmm. What are some things you've been uh, watching lately, like in the past week? In the past week, um, I finished the latest season of The Crown. Oh, you're ahead of me. (laughs) The Crown (laughs) is a very good show. It's a drama about the uh, royal family. Mm-hmm. We're in, and uh, yeah, it's very well acted, very well directed and shot. Okay, awesome. Who's in the crown? Um, Olivia Coleman yep. plays the queen. Um, there's a lot of well known actors there. Okay, uh, yeah, I think I've seen it at least once or twice. You've seen me watch it, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so Kim and I have been watching WandaVision lately. Is that something you've been keeping up with? Yes, I have. I have been watching WandaVision, yes. I think it's very refreshing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, most Marvel movies, they tend to uh, stick to a lot of, uh, like, sort of the basic format of uh, how superhero movies go. And not mm-hmm. only is WandaVision a show, but also it's a sitcom comes and but also has certain horror thriller elements to it so it's it teeters on uh like the twilight zone or um just shows that are um unintentional well unintentionally creepy and Mm, unnerving and because you know something's wrong but it's yeah it's very good it's very well done yeah we agree. We're in the same boat. Yeah, <laughs> it's really cool because you get caught up in the uh, the stories that they're telling, but then they do something creepy or eerie that makes you remember that. Wait a minute, you know, Vision's dead. How? Why are we in this world? <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh. Well, it's good to have you on the show, Ashton. I know we were talking earlier, and one movie that you would like to do with us is the movie Alien. 
Yes. Awesome. <laughs> I've never actually seen Alien, so that'll be a, another first for Kim. <laughs> for as far as Alien, I grew up on Aliens, the sequel, which was more action. And I mean, they have these really awesome Marine guys that go in and they're fighting mm-hmm. a whole bunch of aliens. Yeah. And so I loved it. I saw it probably a hundred times before I watched Alien. And I watched it one time and I was like, what is this movie? This movie is nothing like that other movie. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sequels sort of have a tendency to, you know, just be more uh, action packed. And uh, yeah, Alien was the original and it is uh, quite a different tone. Mm. Uh yeah, and it's what kickstarted the whole Alien franchise for a reason. Black Sunday was released August 11th, 1960 in Italy. It was directed by Mario Bava in his directorial debut. Uh, so this last episode, Kim gave us uh, what was about a 13-minute explanation <laughs> of the film, uh, The Omega Man. So now we are challenging her All right. to give a complete movie synopsis in two minutes or less. We'll see. I have a lot of words. We'll see if I can do this. I have my timer ready. All right. I would say, are you ready for me? Yeah, let's do it. Roll. Okay. So remember, we talk movies here, so there's going to be spoilers. So if you haven't seen this yet, You might want to hit pause, come back and join us later. So the movie Black Sunday, as Jeff said, was released in 1960. It has a TVMA rating at that point in time for its gore because it kind of puts gore on the map. We start the movie in a, I believe, 17th century kind of witch hunt happening. Uh, There is a witch slash vampire that's about to be burned at the stake. We find out that she has basically brought shame and dishonor to her family. They're going to burn her and be rid of her. Um, And they put this gruesome mask on her face. And unfortunately, instead of burning her, a thunderous storm comes through, puts out the fire, and, you know, we move on. We skip ahead 200 years, and the Italian family that she came from is now at the 200th anniversary of this gruesome witch hunt slash killing event. And uh, some things start going awry and they realize that the dead witch is coming back to haunt all of them and not really to haunt, but to get revenge on the brother who put her to death 200 years earlier. And of course, there happens to be a daughter of her descendants that looks exactly like her, played by the same actress. And so she wants to come back from the dead and inhabit the young girl's body and be able to live and you know, reign as a vampire slash witch for forever. It's a little mm-hmm. confusing. They call her a vampire in the movie, but then they also talk about her like she's a witch. So yep. I guess that those lines are blurred in in the Italian horror genre. Mm-hmm. Um, so we spend the movie dealing with uh, trying to get rid of this witch again. And yeah, I mean, that's the basis of the whole movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm at a minute and 54 seconds. Yeah. It felt a little nice. jumbled for me. That wasn't as thorough as I like to be, but whatever. <laughs> hey, you did pretty good in my book. All right. Well, so the first time I saw this was maybe six months ago. I was browsing through 2B TV, and they had the movie poster, which is like red, and it has Barbara Steele's face on the, the cover. But it's like really kind of evilish, cartoonish version uh, yeah, her eyes are almost bugging out mm-hmm. of her head in that poster, right? Yeah. and I was, It's a very cool-looking poster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really caught my eye. And so I said, <laughs> well, 
uh, let's watch this. Let's try this out. And those first 10 minutes, we'll talk about that later, I'm sure, but uh, that really grabbed me. I was like, whoa, this is pretty epic (laughs) start to a movie here. Mm -hmm. Um, Really cool. So uh, when we were trying to think of movies to do, I thought, well, this would be kind of a fun throwback because, you know, we've, we've done a lot of things that are like in the 80s and the 70s. And I want to try to go back a little more into the 20th century. And so this, uh, this 1960 film came up. This was the second time I've seen the film was today. And I know, Kimberly, this is the first time you've seen the movie. Yes, definitely a first for me. And Ashton, I think you'd never seen the film until um, when was it? Like a couple weeks ago or something? Uh, yes. Uh, until you suggested it, I had never even heard of it. Okay. What were your initial impressions of the film? I was uh, very entertained. There was some stuff. Uh, it's very, it's a very old movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so obviously there's a lot of about it that is dated. Mm-hmm. But I was still kept entertained mostly by uh, the gore elements of it. Mm-hmm. I was, I was very impressed with that, especially since it's from the 1960s. Like, right. That uh, that gore on that scale was uh, practically unheard of at the time. Yeah, so. we talked about the opening scene too. I mean, you don't see that much. I mean, you don't see that kind of stuff. That's brutality, and then the the gore, the goo, and later on in the film, I think there's a, a head that's lit on fire and melts. Yeah, that was Indiana really cool. Jones style. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty impressive. You know, the that bat though. I don't know. I don't think anybody can get a bat right. <laughs> oh the, yeah, that yeah. bat. <laughs> like a dish rag flapping around in the air. <laughs> it was pretty sizable though. It was a gigantic bat, yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe they have bigger bats in Italy than we have here, but it was not a Florida bat, I can tell you that. <laughs> so yeah, th- so this movie was based on a story by Nikolai Gogol, and I know I just slaughtered that name called Vi, mm-hmm. V-I-Y, and I know um, it got rewritten and altered quite a bit. Uh, so from it doesn't resemble the original story a whole lot. Um, and I know this movie was a, a big success. You know, I don't know the actual numbers or anything like that because they didn't keep track of the records all too mm. well. I don't know. Did you guys see anything on the, the money or the numbers or anything? I did not. No, I didn't pick up on any of that. No. I know it was considered a great success and it put uh, Mario Bava, like we mentioned before, he was a, a cinematographer and doing his first uh, directing job here. Mm-hmm. And it got him more work, and it got uh, Barbara Steele more work. She went on to kind of be a scream queen for the next uh, decade, really. Yeah, I saw her listed, like, with the greats, you know, like Vincent Price mm-hmm. and, and the others that fall into that genre. So I, did, I didn't realize that. I don't know much about Barbara Steele, so that was, that's kind of cool. Yeah. All right, now it's time for high fives and low points. So let's start with you, Ashton. Tell us a high five that you'll give this film. Like I said before, I think the gore, just how uh, brutal it is, Um, specifically the scene at the beginning where um, the... For those of you who have seen the movie, the mat there's this mask that is placed over uh, the witch. Um, her name's Asa. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yeah, it has a bunch of spikes 
inside the mask. And so they place it on her sort of loosely. But then mm-hmm. this really big dude with the hammer just comes and just smashes it into her face. <laughs> and it's <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's gruesome. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I nowadays a lot of people are more desensitized to gore mm-hmm. um but even that i cringed away from because you could I too. clearly you can clearly see like i don't know the dummy mold that they made just mm. get completely crushed by uh this huge hammer yeah yeah that was like a harley quinn sized hammer that wasn't <laughs> just a hammer right like it was yeah. Big. yeah yeah it was very big and um yeah and especially for 1960, I can only imagine what it was like in theaters, the mm-hmm. reactions people oh, had to yeah. it. Like, people probably were fainting, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's probably true. Well, uh, so he was kind of inspired by the horror of Dracula that was released just two years earlier. Like, I want to do a, a scary movie. And so Kim and I reviewed that. That was the first one that we did for this. Yeah. And the gore factor on it was like night and day versus this. Oh, yeah. That was nothing. Yeah. I mean, any of the blood just looked like red paint. It was actually a color. This was black and white. But the the gore was night and day. I mean, this was way, way more over the top with gore. Yeah. It was cool. It was. It was. (laughs) Another high point for me was uh, the atmosphere the movie had Mm -hmm. it had sort of this the classic horror atmosphere was just um like abandoned buildings and a lot of mist rolling in and out and just uh certain mysteries that would eventually uh and homages that would show up later in other movies Mm -hmm. um like the scene of uh uh the main character girl in the graveyard Oh yeah, um, holding the dogs. That shot was has been recreated in other movies. Very cool. Yeah, I saw that Tim Burton was a huge fan of this movie. That makes sense. And I think in Legend of Sleepy Hollow, uh, I saw something where he has a an homage to this movie in there. Oh. Oh, the cemetery scene was modeled after the Omen. Uh, well, the Omen modeled their scene a scene after this. Okay. Wow. What about you, Kim? Any high fives? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to piggyback on Ashton's uh, mention of just the atmosphere. I, I too thought like the mood was right. And I, you know, you just mentioned the horror of Dracula. We saw that in color and the gore was nothing compared to this movie. And this whole movie is in black and white. So that does kind of blow me away. Like how, how do you get such convincing gore in a movie that doesn't even have color? I, I don't know. I find that pretty impressive and I, I'm not the movie guru here. So y'all have to tell me how that works, but I, I did find it very impressive. And I love the, um, I read somewhere that the set was monochromatic so that it, it gave even more to that, that creepy dark mood. There wasn't even color on the set pieces. Like everything was gray and blacks and whites so that, I'm sure that had to add to the actors, like they're really filling in their element, right? Mm-hmm. If everything around you is kind of dark and and creepy, I'm sure that had to add to what they were putting into their scenes and whatnot. So I don't know. I thought that was that was really cool. And then I was reading somebody's article about this movie, and uh, they brought up 
you know, I've been teaching through Western cultural cultural um, history with my students this year, and we've been looking at a lot of the great artists. And chiaroscuro is like a method that comes up a lot when you talk about Rembrandt, Vermeer, these type guys, where they use a lot of juxtaposition of lights and darks to give that really mm-hmm. contrast to the. And that's really how he set up his whole scenes. Um, Baba really you know, played with that through the whole movie. Everything's really dark or there's just like pops of light to kind of draw your attention to what he wants you to be looking at mm-hmm. in the scene. So that was pretty cool. It was like a little art lesson. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the use of light was really incredible. You know, it kind of leads to one of my high fives is the cinematography and camera work. Uh, and part of that is the lighting. And uh, there's times when I'm trying to struggle to see what's going on because they're in the shadows and then mm-hmm. at the right moment, somebody's face would emerge into the light and something, you know, it would pop. Like if something would right. be a, uh, you know, move you like, oh, okay. That's uh, really just well done. I mean, the camera work too was real inventive. I think that whole beginning scene, uh, they were real creative with it. Sometimes you're seeing it through uh, her eyes, Barbara Steele's eyes. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing the yeah. that mask coming towards her face. and Oh, Yeah. So there's that scene uh, where Katia's uh, father is about to die and, mm-hmm. you know, the camera comes in and it acts like a character. You know, the way it moves, it comes in, it's knocking down things in his room, uh, you know, the door opens. I mean, just the way that camera was moving around, it really made you feel uneasy because like, I can't see who it is. You know, I can't see what's going mm, yeah. on. <laughs> And so yeah. I felt like that camera work really had uh, an effect on the, the mood and the tension and mm-hmm. some of the things you guys were talking about earlier, the atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you about the lighting. At times, uh, there's there's a lot of direct and harsh lighting in this at certain points in this film and but it's uh done purposefully because it will like make a certain character look almost like skeletal. And like Ooh, yeah. corpse, which I think is exactly what uh, Mario Bravo is going for. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, it still has that sort of uh, soft lighting uh, on when it comes to certain characters, like mm-hmm. the female says it was the 1960s. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, yeah, I think the lighting definitely works in this film in terms of adding to uh, the overall atmosphere and just the horror feel of this yeah and it kick-started a lot of just horror films down the line Mm -hmm. which i think is one of the main things i respect about this movie just its influence that it had in terms of the horror genre Mm -hmm. yeah and i'll uh i'll piggyback off something that uh kim usually talks about and that's lack of dialogue (laughs) i knew you're gonna bring that up (laughs) (laughs) and i think uh i think this movie benefited from a lack of dialogue because you know we'll get into the um low points later but the um you know i think having a little dialogue helped create that you know even there were moments where there just was no music or anything you know just hearing the wind blow or the wind howl or doors creak yeah, that's true. We did have a little bit of narration in this movie, though, which is something different mm-hmm. from the other movies we've reviewed so far. I don't think we've reviewed anything that's had narration. Oh, yeah. Um, but this, you know, it opened with some narration, and I think there was a little bit in the middle there, too. But it wasn't distracting or off-putting. It, it did kind of help set, you know, kind of help you know exactly what you were walking into mm-hmm. and what was happening. So I, I didn't mind that, really. Yeah. I think it was well done. Oh, yeah. 
All right, well now is the time when we talk about low points, and these are pretty much the worst aspects of the film, uh, things that you wish they had done differently. So I'll turn it over to Ashton. What's a, a low point or two that you can think of? Well, as this film, it was made in, in the 1960s. There are just some aspects of it that just work against it as it was made during the time. Just uh, certain ways uh, the it was built just certain bits of dialogue in between characters. It just, it, it comes all off as very dated, which it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some people watching it could definitely find that boring. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. It's mostly the gore and the horror elements. They keep you entertained in this movie and not necessarily uh, anything else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> also the characters, uh, the witch uh, main uh, character Asa is uh, interesting in terms of uh, mm-hmm. uh, her personality and her motivations, but all the other characters sort of just fall flat. I yeah. feel like mm-hmm. yeah. they mostly just serve the story. They don't really have any sort of individual personality traits that really like shine or any mm-hmm. uh, character arcs they go through. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, they mostly yeah just exist to serve this overall story. Yeah, yeah, like the love story that they tried to manufacture. <laughs> yeah, that didn't feel genuine. <laughs> yes, it's a very uh, old timey nineteen sixties. Uh, you know, just romance. Yeah. Uh, guy saves girl. Yeah, right. <laughs> what connection do they have? I mean, it just feels wooden. <laughs> the dialogue right. is pretty, yeah, pretty much trash. Yeah, it was very clunky. Yeah. All right. Any other low points, Ashton? Uh, the bat. <laughs> yeah, the bat. <laughs> um, uh, some of the eff- uh, effects are not exactly up to par, uh. which is interesting because the gore effects are very well done. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to certain props or certain like um well obviously they didn't have cgi back then but certain effects that they tried to do mm-hmm. it doesn't exactly pull them off yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. very true what about you kim um yeah i was gonna mention dialogue too it, it gets just i don't know there's just nothing really good or revealing said between any two characters you know like it's mm-hmm. just a little it's just there, you know, they have to communicate. So, you know, it's just, it's just communication. Yeah. That's all it is. Um, and then I, you know, I always come up with questions, maybe not necessarily low points, but I always have questions for these movies. So one of my questions is when the brother, I can't think of his name at the moment either. Mm-hmm. Um, he falls. Oh, Constantine was, it was Katia and Constantine. So just towards the end of the movie, you know, where basically the main bad guy and Ace of the main witch are trying to corner, get it rid of everybody else. So they can corner Katia and they can, you know, sacrifice her or whatever they're going to do to turn the witch into her. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, I don't know, like things happen to corner Constantine, you know, like he gets trapped in this certain portion of the building. And then um, I guess Katia's lover or whatever he was that was killed at the center, not Katia, but Asa, the witch. Yeah the main bad guy, he is like trying to fight Constantine or going to, you know, do away with him or something. And a hole opens up in the floor, like this trap door out of nowhere. Constantine falls in there and he's gone for, you know, a segment of the movie. (laughs) 
while we're waiting for our hero to come in and rescue Katya and all of that, well, when they drag him out of that hole, like he does, he actually kind of saves Dr. Whatever his name is that Mm -hmm. saves Katya. When he comes out of the hole, he looks like he's been almost eaten alive by something down there. But I'm like, what happened to his clothes? Like, yeah. I just all we saw was that he fell into a trap door. I'm like, what the heck is yeah. down there? Like, his clothes are ripped to shreds now. What happened? It's like he. So I don't know. I it's like he wrestled there. the hounds of hell, but they never explain anything. And then he falls back into the hole, right? Or no, I can't remember. No, what. he pulls the bad guy. I what is the bad guy's name? I don't know. Like uh, Asa's. You know, if something with a V. We were calling him Brave Sir Robin because he looked like Brave Sir yeah. Robin from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah, if you're Grail. a Monty Python fan, <laughs> he has that terrible haircut and mustache. He looks very much like Brave Sir Robin. So whoever the Brave Sir Robin character guy is, he eventually, like, Constantine is coming out of the hole and he pulls Brave Sir Robin down into the hole. And I, there must be something terrible down there because it made it seem like we were done with that bad guy. Like, Brave Sir Robin went in the hole and we never yeah. see him again. Yeah. <laughs> Which it seems like the vampire slash witch people are hard to kill and get rid of. So I don't know. Was there a sequel? Because he could, Brave Sir Robin could come back. Yeah. I think. If Constantine survived, it seems like this uh, undead guy should be able to survive. Right. Right. So it's, I don't. That's true. It's a low point. I don't know. It's definitely a question in my mind. Yeah. What happened though? So even Katia's intro, uh-huh. uh, when she's out there with her dogs out in the graveyard, the way she was acting. We were trying to figure out which one is this? Is this Asa or is this Katia? Oh yeah, I thought that was already like the witch had already come back to life because she was kind of acting a little sultry, like a little different. And then later on, Katia acted kind of very much stereotypical uh, damsel in distress, uh, yeah, just princess, fainting a lot, crying a lot, mm-hmm. screaming a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so, uh, yeah, there were just questions. Some it was confusing at times. And like you mentioned, are these vampires? Are these witches? Warlocks? Um, you know, are they demons? You know, what what are they? But I think that kind of added to some of the coolness of it. Like, it's true. They didn't really uh, follow normal tropes of vampirism or like just. I, I thought it was kind of cool that when they put her to death, you know, Asa, they had her in a um, a a coffin or whatever that had a window with a cross looking over it. So, you know, this cross would always be overlooking her. I thought that was kind of a cool little yeah, concept. Yeah, I, li- I liked that, uh, those, that little ed- element to it, like just different little cool, like rituals that they had just added to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Another low point I'll throw out there is, you know, we've talked about the dialogue, but I think the dubbing really hurts this film. Oh yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've seen uh, probably more Italian films than Kim has. I don't know how many you've <laughs> yes. seen Ashton, but almost <laughs> all of them, almost all of them are like this. They just have this terrible dubbing thing going on. And what's a little different about this movie than others is they actually recorded it in English. I I and I that. think there may be an English version out there, like with their original voices. But they had very heavy accents, right? I believe I read that somewhere. Like so, that's why they overdubbed it because the Italian accents were so thick. Yeah. But I would I would love to hear it done in the Italian accent. I think that would be a fun watch. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> Going off the dubbing thing, I think there's just been uh, so many different iterations of this film made. You know, like one version is called uh, Mask of Satan. The mm-hmm. other one is uh, called The Mask of the Demon in Italian. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, it was... Uh, 
there's just so many different versions also because it was banned in certain places. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, like the UK, it was banned there until 1968. And <laughs> even after like the scenes were heavily cut down, I think around to the sometime in the 1980s. Mm -hmm. Wow. So yeah, it's, there's just so many different versions of it out there that I think it's, uh, I've read something where it's very hard to find the original version. Oh, and the wow. version is one of the most common ones to find. So hmm. yeah, but um, in terms of uh, other low points, um, maybe the fight scene at the end with hmm. uh, the main bad guy and <laughs> the... Um, hero guy yeah. um yeah it was just it was fine in terms of uh action the i mean the punches obviously weren't actually hitting each other but like <laughs> um but it was more the fact that there was no music playing yeah. during that scene i watched yeah. it and i was just very uncomfortable yeah. <laughs> because it was just it was just complete silence and all you hear is them like scuffling about scuffling and yeah it was if i i thought that was very interesting choice as well considering you know i would expect like oh a, a final fight you know right. this huge swelling score but there was yeah. none of that it was completely no. silent so I was just, uh, <laughs> I was like, that's a very interesting choice. Yeah. That was. Okay, so to to piggyback on that, I had to finish the last, what, nine or ten minutes of the movie in my car this evening because, of course, I, you know, I have to run kids to ballet and tennis and all these things. And so I just was sitting in the dance parking lot watching the last ten minutes of this. And that's what I'm hearing. And I'm thinking, like, am I not getting all the audio? Like, what's happening here? Because all I could hear was the grunting and the shuffling <laughs> of the fight scene. And that was it. And I was like, something's not coming through my speakers. What's happening? So I'm yeah. glad to know it wasn't my speakers. And that, that was really just a choice they made. It, yeah, it was right. really just a movie. <laughs> Maybe Weird. they ran out of money or something and just was like, hey, just go out there. Do whatever you got to do. Let's wrap this film up. Maybe. You know, so Asa is in her crypt, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, you know... It's like, did she physically burst that thing into several pieces? Like, just oh, yeah, uh, but then she was too weak to get up, or was that just like her using kind of the the force, you know? <laughs> like vampire using force? Evil is that a thing? Vampire force. <laughs> um, and I noticed that sometimes they were able, like, she was able to summon her uh lover out of the grave, you know, she's just like, you know, get out of the ground, let's go, buddy. And boom, like he's popping out of the ground. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That confused me also because, you know, you don't get a real explanation on what her powers are or no. what his powers are too, you know? So she wasn't able to like come back to life fully. She needed to take over Katia's body. Yeah. And sort of possess her and like retake over her. Right. But yeah, for her her guy, she was just like pop out of the ground, and he did it. Yeah, and <laughs> right. he was completely fine. So yeah, yeah, that didn't really make a whole lot of sense. And then what made me think of is this fight scene. So they have these powers, they have these abilities, but like, I guess you can punch him in the face and hurt him, you know, and you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess we've seen so many movies too where the vampires just have like uh, exceptional strength. That wasn't really the case here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
if she can think things and make things happen, then why didn't she make more things happen? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That may just be a little me nitpicking a little bit. I, so I think I think if you look for fault, you're going to find it in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we talked a little bit about um, Barbara Steele, this being her first major role. I I read where there was quite a bit of contention on the set uh, with her, you know, kind of being mistrustful of, uh, the director and the Italian cast, and she didn't understand Italian at the time, and so there was. Yeah, I heard something about that too. Um, but then I saw her say that she was, you know, just young and naive, and kind of blamed it on just inexperience. Yeah, her inexperience. So, but yeah, what what did you guys think about her um, kind of playing that dual role as Asa, as Asa and Katia? Uh, I was. I give her credit. Um, you know, playing two separate characters is never easy. Mm-mm. And uh, they were two separate characters, you know. Uh, like I said, Asa was one of the only characters, I think, that actually had a little depth to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and Katya um, was definitely different in terms of, uh, you know, because she played the classic, uh, you know, damsel in distress. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know why this is happening. Right. Oh, no. Um, so it was two distinct characters. And I think she uh, played it very well. Yeah. And I can totally see in her, like, you know, she's kind of what the original Scream Queen, I guess. So now, now that I know that, man, I can totally see, like, the, uh, you know, metamorphosis from her to, you know, modern day, we've had Elvira and whoever else, you know, like mm-hmm. she, she kind of branded that look, right. The dark hair and the high arched eyebrows and kind of a, a gaunt face. Like yeah. She's very attractive, mm-hmm. but in a very unique kind of way. Um, so that was just, it, it was, you know, I like weird tidbits of trivia like that. So I was like, okay, now I see where we get this whole, you know, generation Mm -hmm. after generation, we kind of stuck with this Gothic look, you know, as far as our, you know, scream Queens and whatnot go. She wasn't a traditional beauty for sure. I think like you mentioned, just her, her look was kind of a skeletal look. And I I don't know how much of that was lighting. Like we talked about and makeup. Mm -hmm. I still think that opening scene, like she captures you like with just her, her performance and you're like, well, this is a lady to be feared. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. trouble. You know, this is, these guys are, are in danger. And so I think this movie suffers a bit from not being able to live up to that first uh, 10 minutes. True. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we talked a little bit about these other characters. I don't know if there's any that you wanted to call out. I mean, what did you think about the older doctor? I mean, anything special there? Not particularly. Uh, he was just mostly a, a tool for um you know to get possessed by uh asa and her love yeah 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 he uh other than that he didn't do much in the story he's supposed to be sort of the mentor of the main hero uh but yeah (laughs) he was mostly sort of one note yeah yeah he he doesn't do it much mentoring at all does he <laughs> no <laughs> he's kind of there he goes and like follows the girl out to milk the cow and mm-hmm. just happens to be in the wrong place at the wrong time i don't know <laughs> yeah, he didn't offer a whole lot yeah <laughs> yeah so the uh the we talked a little bit about the guy that plays 
her love interest. I mean, we did joke about he was kind of part Spider Man. I mean, he uh, oh, yeah, the way he, he scaled the wall and jumped through the window and landed on his feet. I mean, he was pretty nimble, dude. Yeah, was that him? You think? Did he have a no stunt idea. double? I don't know. I was like, wow, cat like reflexes, dude. <laughs> So yeah, that's about the best thing I could say about him. And they, I will say that little girl, the girl um, actress, I did fear for her a little bit because in the some of these older movies, they'll kill off kids. You know, you don't see that as much today. Oh yeah, yeah. You were waiting for a Frankenstein moment or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that didn't happen. Yeah, thankfully that didn't happen. You know, she's the daughter. I read this. She is the daughter of uh, Jabudich or Jabuda, what the bad guy, the love of Asa mm-hmm. in real life. That's his daughter. So she got a got herself a little acting role because Dad was the hey. brave Sir Robin was the lead bad guy. <laughs> There was a cool scene with uh, Brave Sir Robin where he's uh, driving the the cart. And, uh, you know, at first it's like in slow motion. Oh, yeah. When he's, uh, he, when he's going to get the old doctor. Um, so that was pretty cool. And then when he got the old doctor and, like, he's moving suddenly at the speed of light. Yeah. And you just see him up, up top and, like, uh, cracking the whip on the horses and... Mm-hmm. I thought all that was just really cool. Like you're, it looked very terrorizing and menacing and you're like, this guy's, you know, he's crazy. So, you know, it made me feel again, there's no dialogue going on, right? but it's the, you know, I'm just communicating how it made me feel. And I'm putting myself in the shoes of the old doctor and I'm like, I'd be pretty scared. I mean, I'd be pretty scared in this situation. Yeah. But the old doctor was not like, he checked the yeah. door and thought, Hmm, this door's locked. And then he sat back down. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't really, I mean, he had an opportunity to kind of act it up there. That was his one big scene, right? Yeah, he kind of yeah, dropped kinda the ball. kind of let it slip by. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Yeah, What did, did you guys want to say anything about the uh, the music or anything else about the special effects? Um, there's this one scene where Asa's uh, vi- main villain lover um, appeared from a painting. Mm-hmm. I think uh, one of the characters was uh, running away or was trapped in the catacomb tunnel areas. Mm-hmm. And he sort of uh, appeared out from that painting. And it was uh, actually done really well. And mm-hmm. um, also... There is um there was another painting that had Asa on it. Yeah. And if you noticed it uh changed throughout the um movie. Mm-hmm. Like at one point, like it was just a a picture of her, but then at another point she was like nude and had like a snake like on her. Oh. Yeah. So I thought that was a nice, subtle Mm -hmm. um, set design. Yes. We did notice that. I'd forgotten about that. Mm -hmm. It's like the other side of Asa, the real side of Asa. Yeah. And it's it's tucked away. Like it's kind of hidden. It reminded me of a like Dorian Gray. You know, everybody else sees this one version of him, but then kind of buried away in his attic. In his attic. Yeah. It was the, uh, the true version of him. The hideous painting. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now we talk about, do we recommend this movie or not? So, uh, yay or nay? What do you say, Ashton? Is this a yay or a nay for you? Mm, I think if you really 
love horror movies. It's a yay because just uh, the amount of history attached to it, you know, it's uh, inspired so many modern day horror movies. Um, mm-hmm. Just the gore changed um, how horror movies were done. Uh, so I'd say a definite yay for someone who really loves horror movies. If you're a casual viewer, however, I don't know if it will be particularly for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, it can be, it can drag on a lot. And mm-hmm. a lot of people don't really like uh, that old timey feel that this movie definitely has. All right. So I'm going to say that I am one of those casual viewers like Ashton was talking about because I'm fairly new to the horror genre. Um, So I'm giving this a yay because I, again, like the history aspect of it. I, it's just the horror is not something I'm drawn to. I mean, Jeff and I always laugh at each other. We can't watch things that are really creepy after dark because we get wigged out pretty easily. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I still love, I love to know the, the history and the background of something. And so I love, I, I enjoyed watching this just knowing that there was so much historical content here yeah. for, you know, and it basically changed the movie industry as far as that genre goes moving forward. So, so it's a yay for me because I think there's a lot of educational elements here and I like that sort of thing. It's just my nerdy little, I, and I do agree. Like if you're not into old stuff, especially old movies, you're probably not going to have a good time with this, but I think you could, if you look at it from either you just love the horror genre in general, or, you know, you're seeing this as like, uh, you know, kind of groundbreaking almost mm-hmm. in its genre for its time. So that's my yay for the movie. Cool. Well, I'm also a yay and I probably liked it a little more than uh, you two. Uh, I, you know, I've talked before. I used to watch Creature Feature when I was a kid. And on Saturday uh, afternoons, Dr. Paul Bear would play these really old, creepy movies. And I just, there was one in particular I remember where um, somebody is thrown in an Iron Maiden. Uh, and they're doing a bunch of tortures to people. And one is uh, a guy is like drawn and quartered in a courtyard. And it's just funny because I was watching that stuff when I was a real little kid. But I always loved Saturdays and I still love Saturdays for that matter. Uh, But, you know, part of it was the watching these old creepy movies that a lot of them don't make sense. And, you know, this falls into that category. Like if you break out, uh, you know, your microscope and really look at analyze the plot and the storytelling, you're, you're going to find all sorts of issues with it. Um, but you have to go into it, I think, like you're saying, like either looking at it from a historical perspective or just, mm-hmm. you know, taking in the positives that we said and just, try, you know, just enjoying that, enjoying that mood and that ambiance and the, that old gothic macabre nature of, yeah. of the film. I um, I think this is that has that cranked to 11. You know, the, yeah. all, the whole gothic nature is just turned up to 11. And I think of... Um, you know, we, we've talked about old Vincent Price movies, the uh, things that, you know, the, some are black and white, some are in color, but it definitely has a sense of nostalgia about it, like watching it, um, you know, for mm-hmm. me. But it's it's really an association I have. And we've talked about this before where, like, you enjoying movies or not enjoying movies, a lot of it depends on, you know, your, um, you know, what you've seen in the past, right. what you relate things to, you know, how you were feeling at the time, that association. Who you were with. Yeah. yeah who you were yeah, with. Exactly. Um, you know, what you were going through at the time when you watched it. 
you know, for me, like I watch these old movies with my dad, like on Saturday afternoons. And so when I watched this movie, I'd never seen this one, um, until like I said about six months ago, but it just took me back. Like it made me think of something I would have watched on a Saturday afternoon yeah. and been a little creeped out by. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So yeah. So that's a yay for me. Awesome. Okay, I think that does it for Black Sunday. And if you did watch the 1977 version, you saw a completely different movie than the one we talked about. Uh, have you guys seen that one yet? I haven't, no. I have not. It's based on a Stephen King book uh, where, you know, this crazy guy uh, is recruited by terrorists because he's a blimp driver. Like the Goodyear blimp, you know, and uh, uh-huh. and he's going to fly the Goodyear blimp right in the middle of the Super Bowl and explode this thing, and it's going to shoot out shards of metal and just slaughter everybody at the Super Bowl. Oh. So it's this real dark, sad story. Wow. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's completely different than what we just watched. Um, but anyway, so I think that... Hopefully nobody watched that. Yeah, if you did watch that one, well, sorry, maybe we'll review that one some other time. That does it for Black Sunday, but uh, wow, it was really cool having you on the show, Ashton. Thank you very much for having me. It was fun. Thank you, Ashton. We appreciate it. I I loved hearing your thoughts, having all that film school behind you. It was great. (laughs) It was an education for me. Thanks. No problem. Thank you. Are you you ever going to direct anything again? Uh, We'll see. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Currently, not in the cards. But maybe one day, who knows? Who knows? Just a reminder to hit up our Instagram or Facebook at Attack of the 20th Century. We have a comment from our friends at Dead City Drive-In about Black Sunday. They say, I love this movie so much. I bought it on Blu-ray. Just about everything directed by Mario Bava is worth a look. So influential. And Barbara Steele is such a unique beauty. The cinematography is gorgeous. The performances, chilling. We concur. Yep. All right, so what are we watching next week? We're going to be watching Jason and the Argonauts from 1963. This is a good old G-rated action adventure, some legendary Greek hero stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun, and the whole family can enjoy it. Yes, we get some Ray Harryhausen special effects. Yes. So, yeah, watch that this week and listen in next week. So, uh, have a great life. (laughs) (laughs) Take luck. (laughs) Have a great whatever. <laughs> it's a week? A week. It's a week. Yeah. Have so, a great week. Have a great week. <laughs> Enjoy your life. <laughs> Peace <Yeah>. out. <laughs> Happy movie watching. Happy movie watching. Peace Pe- out. Peace out.